Amen. Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Listen to the word of God. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish with this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And you said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for this morning comes from 1 Timothy verses six, chapter 6, verses 6 through 19. Listen still to the word of the Lord. For godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. As for the rich in this present age, 
charged them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provided us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I'm going to just start leaving a blank line in the bulletin for the sermon title and let you all fill in whatever you want on Sunday morning. Because without fail, when I come up with something I think is clever for a sermon title, the Holy Spirit goes somewhere entirely different throughout the week as I'm putting my sermon together. So um, in the interest of full disclosure, this morning's sermon title has nothing to do with what you're about to hear. So just wanted to get that out there, share that with you all as we begin together. Uh, money is the root of all evil is not an actual quote from scripture. It's one of those lines that is close to something in scripture and probably came about because of a misremembering or a misquoting of uh, this verse from today's passage, verse 610, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away, etc. Loving money can cause all sorts of evil, but money itself is neither good nor bad. It is simply a thing. It is a tool that can be used well or poorly for good or for sin. That evil comes in when we allow it to come between us and other people as we see in our gospel passage from Luke this morning. Because we can't avoid money as much as we might like to say, forget this system, it's broken. That is the system by which the world works, and we have to play that part of the game. And it can be used for great good. But it can also cause wedges between those who have it and those who don't. If we look at that gospel passage today, we see this odd story in which two men are separated because one has let his love of money blind him from love of fellow people. It's the gaps between what people have that drive wedges between them that is sin. It's not the existence of money that is evil, it's how it is used. Churches aren't immune to this either. It's not just an individual sin or unsin. There's this weird rivalry or chasm sometimes between larger successful churches and smaller churches. Churches of all sizes have their pros and their cons. In a large church, you have larger choirs, bigger youth programs, more staff, and all those are great things. But it's harder to get to know people. People can get lost in the cracks in a large congregation. 
And in a small church, as you all well know, there are fewer people available to do all the things that need to be done. There's less budget for mission trips, more limited staff. But everyone knows each other. If somebody goes missing in action, everyone is checking in on them. I can look around the congregation this morning and tell by which pews are empty who's not here and run through my head and think, what conversations did I have with that person to know why they're not here today or do I need to check in? That's a beautiful thing to be able to do that. It's much easier in that setting to foster a feeling of family and community. But the haves versus the have-nots feeling that permeates our culture seems to have invaded the church, too. Large church churchgoers often don't see the full value of small churches. And small churches can feel slighted or ignored. There's a great deal of collaboration that goes on between small churches with one another and even small churches and and other small faith communities. Um, There's collaboration between large churches and faith communities and one another. But it's rare to see a large faith community and a small faith community work together. And it's not just about the money, right? It's about any of these things that we let come between us. Money, membership roles, beautiful buildings, programs, any of these things can become idols and drive a wedge between us and other churches, us and the community, even between ourselves and other members of the congregation. Look, we are not the biggest church or the fanciest church or the wealthiest church. I know that's not a newsflash to anyone sitting here this morning. And we are never going to be the biggest church or the fanciest church or the wealthiest church. In fact, we're probably never even going to hit top 50% largest churches in Pittsburgh. Even combining the two congregations together, if we count as a whole. But so what? That's totally fine. We don't have to be. That's not our mission. That's not our goal. Because we're learning to use what we do have in ways that are faithful and exciting. In fact, we have to be careful to remember why we are doing what we are doing here. Because if our goal is to be a big church or a church with lots of programs or a church that looks successful by worldly standards, we're way off base and we're going to fall on our faces. We're just buying into the idea that there are churches that matter and those that don't, and it's based on who has more stuff, whatever that stuff is. We have to figure out what we do have to work with and how that can fit in with bringing God's kingdom to earth today. And we have all sorts of things to work with if we are creative. I would be remiss to say, or if I didn't say, that our biggest asset is this partnership between the two churches, especially today. I feel like I have to get that in there. And let's not forget that not all big churches ignore little churches or discredit them. We're starting to see more partnerships and and help. Some realize that there is value in small churches and in building up small church leadership. It's through a scholarship from a large church in our presbytery 
that I'm going to be able to do the program at the seminary that's going to be coming alongside of us as we continue to find our way in the world. There is a large church in our presbytery that said, how can we help build up the leadership in small churches in our presbytery? And they decided to make this scholarship available. There's going to be a lot said this afternoon about the collaboration between Emsworth and St. Andrew's congregations. But I myself am not going to have a ton of time to talk about it then. So here's what I have to say to you all right now. You're doing great. Especially since the decision to make this all long-term, I have seen so much hope here. It's like a switch flipped on June 3rd. (laughs) There's this gathering of momentum. Can you all feel that as well? I know that I can. There is an excitement and a joy that was definitely not here three years ago when I interviewed for this position. Keep your eyes on what matters. Don't let what we have or don't have get between us and other churches or us and partners in the community who have or don't have more or less than we have. We've got what we've got. Let's use it. Continue to seek out those ways to partner and build relationships and welcome people and be your rock star selves. No matter how many people are sitting in the pews or how many programs we have going on or how many cracks there are in our plaster. You matter. I've got your back. And you've got this. Amen.